Uh, welcome to everyone. And um, this is one of the sessions uh, that we're going to have. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, the app development space and uh, things that are happening in that space, the ecosystem, uh, but also we'll open up to a lot of questions that you guys might have. Um, the plan was to engage with these guys, uh, I'll introduce them now, for a good 20, 30 minutes. Uh, but seeing at the questions that have popped up, I think it's best uh, I talk less um, and um, leave the rest to you guys. So any questions you might have, um, please drop them through. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's get it going. So I've got two guys that are joining us, uh, good friends of mine. Uh, love their work, love what they do. Uh, I love the, the products that they're coming up with. Um, I probably won't do them justice by introducing them myself. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll just allow them to just do a quick intro, uh, the best way fitting for them. Um, and where I see they've omitted stuff, I'll definitely jump in and let you guys know. Cool. Uh, so we've got CJ. Yo, how are you guys? Good, good. Wow. Awesome too. Mukundi, please, please unmute. Please unmute. <laughs> so you can see that. Um, hey, Sisley, how's it going, man? I'm good. How are you? I haven't seen you in a while, man. Yeah, we haven't uh, talked in a while. I'm good, yeah. man. How's it? I'm chilling. Yeah. Um, my name is Sisley. Uh, just wanted to make sure that I greet the people in the room. All protocols observed. Uh, and I'm I'm a software developer. Um, but my current role is in a product owner capacity and yeah, like, um, I basically wear a lot of hats within the software development space and I focus particularly on mobile development, um, for corporate especially. Um, and yeah, I do, that's, that's all I do. Like software, mobile, corporates. Yes. And some of yeah. yeah. All right, um, uh, Hey guys, uh, hope you guys are doing well. Um, okay, so my name is Mkondli Dumela. Um, I'm a software dev as well. Um, what I focus on is uh, mobile dev and also um, web application de development as well. Um, what I'm currently working on, I am founder uh, at Shitsonga.org. Uh, at the organization where we build tools to teach people the Stonga language. I'm also the CTO at Round the Fire. Uh, we're building uh, an app which uh, provides uh, ebooks for kids in all 11 official languages in South Africa. Um, the last um, startup which I'm part of is uh, called Ultra, which is a music streaming service with a social aspect. So I'm uh, also CTO at Ultra. Yeah, that's about it. All right, so, uh, there's more that they do, but we'll unpack as it goes. Um, so th yeah. these are two interesting examples uh, in the app development space, but also in the tech space as a whole. Um, so Sita, just a quick background of how you got, got into the space. Okay, so I got my start I think, I think when I was probably around 18, that's when I started doing dev or started working on anything dev. Um, but my exposure to tech goes as far back as since I was four years old. Um, and I've always known I was going to end up in tech. I've always known I was going to end up in software, uh, but it was just a matter of time. And when that happened, which was when I finished matric, I was like, listen, I'm going to do what I always wanted to do. And that's when I started doing dev work. Um, and from there, I grew, met Michel in 2014. Um, and he found me just, just, just after I had just gotten very comfortable at Android development and building software and building platforms. And yeah, I think it's been a journey from there. I went to uh, Geek Culture. I think I made, I made Geek Culture by their first MacBook um, and then continued on to other places and other projects, uh, yeah. But I'm a self-taught developer uh, who, I, I did a B.Ed, a Bachelor of Education in Maths and Science, grade 10 to 12. 
and yeah, I'm working as a software. <laughs> All right, self-developer uh, who moved from Android, uh, and I think now you're doing a lot of iOS stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Mukundi, just a bit of your background, uh, minus what you do. Uh, so um, how I got into it, I, yeah, I did a multimedia degree at tax um, from 2009 to 2012. And this is when um, I learned on um, like just how to build apps, how to build products, how to design them, like how to make them work well. Um, so after I graduated, I went straight into corporate. Um, where I was doing uh, mainly web uh, development. And at that stage, I wasn't really as strong in mobile apps. Um, I got into mobile apps uh, fully in, um, in 2015, I think, uh, when we were launching the dictionary app for the Shitanga organization. I, I taught myself, uh, like I had to teach myself Android and build the app, push it into the store. And later on in 2018, I followed up with an iOS app as well. And that's when I learned iOS. So um, I'll tell you my background, it's more, um, um, like I wouldn't call myself a, like a self-taught developer in that I have a rich background uh, from university for programming languages and all sorts of uh, um, concepts on building products but uh, since i've left university i've had to teach myself most of the things that i do today all right awesome stuff um so yeah um i mean uh Seedly, is is there anything particular that you're working on uh, that you want to share with us is there any particular app uh, or something like that that you're working on so um Due to working with corporates predominantly, most of my stuff it either comes out when it comes out, and I have to keep hush about it. But um, I can share insights into what I'm currently working on. Um, I'm currently at Vodacom, and I'm building a product for the youth. So for all 6.2 million uh can you can you guys if you're not talking can you please just raise your voice um on on other capacities yes there's quite a lot um i'm working on unibooks uh i i hope this this lockdown ends but i know it's going to be a completely different world after that um so there is work that still needs to be done on that front um but yeah uh um, on working on corporate projects and in my own spare time, my own spare capacity, I work on my own side projects and with the hopes that one day they will go live. Um, one of the crippling things about working with corporate money is that you understand how much apps cost to build. And so you are less incentivized to go, yeah, let's just launch because you go, wow, there's still a lot more that needs to go into it. Um, but yeah. That's, that's what I'm working on. And I'm working with a few other people. So that's, that's work, work. And then there's me personally. And then there's also this freelancing and consulting side of me, which is working with um, a collective of people that, we, that I met on Twitter. And we got together. We eventually uh, started an agency together. And we've been building products and getting things to market. But we, we sort of are in the corporate space still. So it's not just consumer products. It is consumer-facing products, but we're selling them to corporates uh, with a keen focus within there on live streaming and video. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mukundi, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Shitsonga, your Shitsonga app? Uh, but mostly on what have been some of the challenges you've actually come across in terms of developing an app for it? You are muted. And uh, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Okay, so the project started when I was still in university. Um, uh, the concept came about when I realized that 
uh, there was a huge need for content that would translate between Chitonga uh, and English. Um, because none of the big companies at the time, and not even the government, uh, was publishing any content on the Shitonga language. Um, there was a lot of content from universities for research purposes. There was also a few people who were running blogs that would just do simple translations. So um, I launched it then. Uh, when I launched it, because I'm not um, a language scholar or I'm not an expert in Shitonga, I relied on the community to build um, the content. So uh, the platform was open in that anyone could come register and uh, just enter their list of words. I did run into a bit of issues with that uh, because I didn't have good control measures in place uh, to filter out bad content and good content. Um, uh, following that, um, this is when we launched the, the app. Um, I think building the Android app was uh, was fairly quick. Um, after going through a few articles online, just learning how, uh, like how, like how I can build an app, how I can get it uh, into the App Store, I think I was able to do it under two weeks. Um, um, the only thing that I had to do was to convert the data which I already had on the online platform uh, into JSON format or a format that an app would be able to understand. Um, packaged it, launched, um, uh, yeah, we had a few thousand downloads, um, I think within, like within a month. Uh, right now we're currently at 93,000 downloads, so we should hit that uh, 100 mark, uh, like 100,000 mark quite soon. But the biggest challenge that uh, we, ex we face uh, in the Shitsonga project is mainly on the content, um, yeah. in that I think we need someone who is um, well experienced in in the language, uh, who knows how to navigate that space and how to package content in a way uh, that would maximize learning. Um, but yeah, those are issues that uh, we are looking into solving. All right. Um, so uh, I think we can cut it here in terms of that. I've got a lot of questions that uh, the guys have thrown here. Uh, so I'll just jump into the questions and uh, anyone can feel free to to answer between the two of you guys uh, and to the rest of the guys listening if you do have any questions um, please also just drop them in here and uh, we'll freely uh, ask the guys to answer them so the first question is uh, the best way to create responsive mobile apps what's the to go frame to use react or flutter um, big topic always people talking about the two what are your guys' thoughts uh, the best framework to use between the two so I think uh, I'm going to, do you want to answer that you're, you're native, should I answer flat? I think you should. Okay, cool. Um, so it's React currently, right? Because a lot of Flutter is still in beta. Um, it's still um, moving into a stable release channel. Next week they are releasing um, more stuff into the stable channel. So we might see more uh, responsive and better as, but Flutter is still small. Like it's still a growing community. They only just reached uh, half a million users uh, developers monthly and just over 2 million um, users. But it's growing so quick because of the 50,000 apps that are on the store, you find that 10,000 are from the last month in Flutter. So it's growing, but I would say React for now to build anything responsive if you want to ship a product quickly. Yeah. Your thoughts, Mukundi? Or you share the same sentiments? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm I've actually not worked with any of the two platforms. I've worked uh, just a bit with Flutter. Um, my apps are normally built with uh, whatever is native to the platform. So if it's uh, if it's Android, I'll build it with Kotlin. If it's iOS, I'll build it with Swift. All right. A true um, purist. A true purist. Huh. Eh? <laughs> A true purist. People who love native so much. I, I mean. mean Talking about that, um, there's there's a lot of people that are constantly asking about, uh, I've got a great idea, I've got a business, uh, and I need an app for it, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are you guys' thoughts on on, on that? Uh, does everything need an app? Uh, how do you, What's the best way to decide if you need an app or not? McQuinn, I think you should start there. Um, yeah, that's a very difficult question to answer, honestly, and I think it's... Um... Like it's very confusing for a lot of people uh, how to package what they're selling. 
Um, but what I would say is um, for, for things that you need people to be able to search, uh, if I went on Google, if you want me to be able to search and find something in your service, you need to at least have a web version of that. Uh, for things that people don't need searching for, uh, you can, I, I, I think it wouldn't matter much if it needs to be an app or not. Uh, I think that's the major, that, that's the major distinction. And the other thing is that um, apps are quite expensive to build. So when you're starting off, if it's possible to package your, um, your product as a, as a website, I would say start there. Uh, and then you can, you, can, you, you can follow up with an app at a later stage. Okay. So, so I'd like to take that even like a step down um, and go, it, it greatly depends. So I don't think technology is there to improve business processes, at least the majority of it, right? So you need to have, at least from my capacity, I speak from a corporate capacity, you need to have a business or at least a process that you're operating in before you can even say, maybe that needs some technological advancement. Um, I'm a huge believer in start small, um, figure out the service, and then see what type of add-on you would need on top of that. And that's when you start going through the activity of realizing that you might need a website instead of an app. Like, so it's, not, it's, it's, it's a different answer, it's different strokes from, for different folks, but I think if you go through the process of Firstly, identifying if whether you need to improve a process using technology or not. If you don't need to improve um, a process with technology, then you just founded your first tech company. Uh, shout out to you for finding founding your first tech company. Um, there's a lot of answers to answer, so you're going to have to consider everything because you're a tech company. You're no longer just a service that is looking for a website or an app. You're a tech company, so you should consider everything from websites, progressive web apps, everything, including mobile apps, if that is a proper route for you. I don't think everything needs an app. Um, I think a great majority of the things that we build can do very well as progressive web apps. Yeah. All right. Um, and then now a person comes to you, um, they've figured out, okay, they do need an app, right? Um, and they want to costing. And um, there's a lot of expectations. People think that apps cost a particular amount. Um, what, is, what is the ideal going rate for, let's just say a basic app, uh, if you guys can unpack that for us? And also, how do you decide to actually do the costing? Uh, because people tend to think that the cost of an app is more or less the same as the cost of a website. Obviously, I think someone muted Misha. Misha, what's wrong? But someone muted him. Did you guys hear me what I said? Yeah, so I was saying in terms of the costing of an app, right? Um, how do you guys go about costing the apps? Uh, and what's the ideal cost of, of apps? Because people tend to think that an app is probably more or less the same thing as a website. Uh, some people think that you can get an app for 5,000 rand. Can you, can you not? What's more or less the going rate? Uh, is there a difference in terms of costing for an Android and iOS? Is it the same thing? Uh, how does it go? Uh, should I start, Mukund? Oh. Yes, please go for it. Okay, um, apps cost millions. That's, that's the simple, straightforward answer. Um, apps cost millions. That's why you see companies, every time you're reading the news, no one raised 100,000 rand for an app. They raised millions. So apps cost millions. You need millions for apps. Um, there's right. a 5,000. It depends, right? So I've, I've looked at my past projects and had to take a deep understanding of um, the impact of costing towards the success of the project, right? So if you want an app for 5,000, someone can go on MIT App Inventor, slap together something for you and go, here's an app. Um, but the success of that is relatively low compared to a person who invests a lot more into their product. I started out, I think one of my first uh, projects that I worked on, I was using my own computer. I think I was still playing around then. Um, I think my work seriously took off when 
I invest, I started investing in myself. So I got a Mac um, through Geek Culture first. And then after that, I can tell you that I costed an app for 30,000. Um, that app, those people didn't want to pay me at the end of it. They told me that they're not going to launch the app or things like that. And I was like, I, um, I then had an app that cost uh, over 150,000. Um, that got to beta release. So that was pretty exciting. Um, then I have costed an app that costs above a half a million and that got to on the store. And it wasn't just the app, it was the platform. On the store, it made over a million in six months and it was still in the beta channel um, within the store. So I think there's, there's, the more you spend on an app, the higher the chances of success. Um, just to say the least. I think we can, I can expand on this. Um, I think after I'm going. Yeah, I know, I agree uh, 100%. The apps do cost quite a bit to develop. Uh, personally, I've only worked on, um, I think, two projects for other people. Most of the work that I do, I do for myself or for the, start, for the startups that I work for. Um, the first project which I work, worked on was for the government. So they were doing um, research for buses in Eguru Lane. Uh, so the app was essentially allow taxi drivers um, rather to give to taxi drivers um, uh, an app which they would use to collect data on how much they make a day, which routes they take, uh, and how many rounds they make a day. I know uh, that app. Yeah, so for that app, we charged them 270000 uh for an Android app. And um, it got to a beta stage. I'm not sure if they actually used it because after we built it, they said, they'll come back to us. Uh, they did pay us our money, but they never got back to us. Um, yeah, but so that was the one app which I worked on. Um, the other app which I worked on was for a friend. So it's a bit tricky pricing for friends. I did it at 120,000 and that was for iOS. So, um, iOS, in my experience, is typically more expensive um, because there is um, a limited number of people that know how to build apps in iOS. Uh, obviously, that's going to change a bit with um, Flutter and other platforms gaining ground. But if uh, you're doing it native, native, um, there is a limited amount of people. Like There is a limited number of people that are able to build them, so you'll get charged a bit more. Uh, but you should, like, yeah, I think when you approach a, 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 a dev for any work, you should also just, like, just prepare yourself uh, with uh, proper requirements um, so that the developer is able to understand exactly what it is you're looking for and uh, what it's going to take to build the app. Because most apps, it, it's normally just not the app which you have to build. So if it's something like uh, Uber or Taxify, it's not something that you can operate fully with just an app. You would most likely also need a backend, uh, admin type of uh, consoles. And normally for a lot of people, they think the price is too much because they only thought of only one thing or rather one aspect of their business. And when uh, you give them advice as a dev that you, are, you, will, you will not be able to run this successfully without a console which will give you access to manage your users. Uh, when you charge them for that, it does become, um, like it does seem like, uh, yeah, it's quite high, but yeah. So um, to expand on my because I think I saw a bit of questions asking about, um, do you charge by hourly rate? What motivates the costing and things like that. So. Anyway, um, from, from my end, right, from my perspective, uh, apps aren't just apps. So thanks to how the configuration of, of, of my career and how I've worked and retrospecting, for instance, on the most, one of my most successful the one that made a million in six months, it's, the contrast was that I was more involved with systems that had to do more than just right so there were other dynamics and elements to it that ensured the viability and success of that even beyond just um software so i started realizing that it's not enough just to give people um tech when they don't know what to do with it how to launch it and things like that so 
what motivates the costing is the process that goes in. Um, because I'm not a bank that just takes people's money and then takes it out, I actually care about the products that I build. You'll find that I care a lot more and make them invest a little bit more in, in their product. So I want to make sure that it's successful. I want to make sure that it gets launched. I want to get to that point. So part of my relationships have been around that. So when I cost an app, it's not necessarily an app. I cost the entire service, which is a complete end-to-end -end from a perspective of communications and branding all the way to support, right? And those are the things that I think a lot of people don't take into account. They go, how much does an app cost? It's like, well, I can tell you how much I cost, but that's not how much an app costs. That's not how much having an app costs. So mm, I think, I, think I, I charge based off of what a person needs. So most of the people come to me at concept level. Some of them come at uh, a level where they've gone. So we have a business, we want to improve it, some digital transformation, and then it's interfacing with the different parts of it to see what more can be done to bring about value. But I've often seen that it's not just apps um, or the technology that matters. That's what I'm there for, and it's not something to worry about, and that should be the cheapest part. But because of all the interfacing and the amount of people that you're going to be interacting and dealing with, you have to take that into cognizance. From asking about whether I do hourly, no, I do hourly rating at my work where you pay me to do eight hours a day. Um, if I'm doing a product for you, the, the value of it is relative. It's not relative to the amount of work that I do for you. It's, it's relative to the value that you get out of it. So if I can do something that you need um, in two weeks versus someone doing it in six months and that's all you can get, that value is relative. And so I can't charge you the hourly rate of that two weeks. So there's sort of like that level of moving around and flexibility in your pricing and understanding to know what value you're bringing. Um, but for a full range app, you won't see, at least for my books, anything below around 650,000, all the way up to the most recent um, costing that I've, I've done puts us north of around 24 million um, in terms of the costs that are just going to go in, not what you're going to make out, not um, just from a costing perspective. So I think it, it ranges, but it depends on what you want to get out. If you're targeting over a million or people, then you have to put in a lot more work than if you're targeting a close-knit circle, because there's support there's all of that so consider that you don't want to just deliver software and then say yeah whoever you have there will continue no it's it's about um solving people's problems and if you can solve people's problems i think you're in a better off um position to do it fully instead of doing a part or a piece of it don't just take requirements solve people's problems and i think that goes deeper. yeah this is you sure here what did his work like that? I unmuted, I muted myself. Um, so Mukundi, as Oka is asking you to, uh, you mentioned the cost and time of building apps will change with, I don't know if you said Flask. Uh, please emphasize more on that. With Flatter. So, oh, Flatter. So road Flask there. Flatter. Yeah, so someone like yes. myself who would build an app with native Android and native iOS, I would charge you for both and separately. So, um, say if the app is going for 60 grand, you most, <laughs> you most likely get charged twice the amount because it's actually twice the work uh, for each of the platforms. But with, um, with Flutter and React gaining ground, I think uh, like, like, a lot, like a lot of people will be going that direction. So, because with Flutter, you only have one code base. Uh, you won't need to pay for uh, like separate amounts for different platforms, essentially. I, so I agree, but I think the cost will be recovered in different places, right? So um, it's not just as simple as just building an app. Now it's about the experience. So I need to add animations. I need to add different page transitions that do certain intricate things i need to focus on writing a certain so i think you make up the costs in in other ways in terms of being a developer but the upfront 
demands of it. It's one code base. I think that makes it easier for you to focus on other things and derive value for those other things. So instead of looking at from, it's going to be cheaper, see what more can I do if it is easier to produce something. So look at it from that perspective as well. All right, uh, I'll just quickly jump to the next question that I'm seeing here. Um, I've got a question on Facebook, right? It says, uh, I have a good programming background in C++, uh, some basic Python and JavaScript, HTML, I mean, XML and HTML. Which languages and frameworks do I need to learn further to begin developing Android apps? Android apps? Yes. I think Android does C++ natively as well. You, you can, but yeah, it's, you don't want to do that, but you can. Yeah. Um, you can, yeah, I think if you have a good background with C++, it's quite easy to transition into Java if you would like to do uh, Android native. But I think uh, if I was to learn how to build an app um, this year, I would probably learn React and Flutter. Um, I wouldn't uh, focus too much on um, like on native because of the limitations. So um, I would know that after I've learned Flutter, I can basically build for both iOS and Android. And I think um, with uh, Samsung and Huawei um, always hinting that they might be going uh, the separate ways with Android, um, it might even open up the industry even more. So instead of iOS and Android, there might be 16 other things that you need to build the app for. So I think this is where Flutter and React um, like are really going to, to be central into uh, building apps because you can just build it with one code base and uh, ship it in all these different app stores. Yes, I, think, I think also there is a market for C++ developers. Um, if you want to build mobile, just go build mobile. Don't try and bring something that is not the standard convention into it because you're going to run into a lot of challenges in just your learning journey. So um, I think there is a market for C++ developers. I think you guys are going to make a huge comeback now that um, uh, WebAssembly is also a thing. So I think there is a market for your particular skill set. If you care about going mobile, just go mobile. Like, um, excuse my French, don't have asset. Like, just go. Like Alright, uh, uh, what Clary says, can you really effectively build iOS Android apps in React Flutter with zero native experience? Okay, let's see. First. I, have, um, I have some reservations about Flutter, but I'd rather go last. Uh, I'd like to hear them, but anyway. Um, well, I can't tell you whether it's easier to learn without because I had prior experience, right? Um, I think there's value. You need to understand the platforms that you're working in, like uh, in order to be able to be efficient and operate in them. Like, because you'll, you'll see things when you run into problems with, for instance, something as simple as Gretel uh, or Cocoa Pods. You'll, you'll, you'll see flames because you, you're not used to that environment. You're just used to an IDE environment. So there's obviously a need to go deeper and understand the architecture that those systems are built up of. And I think going the journey can help you. But if you want to be, for instance, productive, learn Flutter. And then over time, I think as you learn, it'll demand more of you. So it'll demand more native experience. And um, so you eventually you will interact with the native environment. If you have to deploy to the store, you have to go through Xcode for iOS. You have to go through Android Studio in order to create an, an application bundle for the, apps, uh, the Android App Store. So, I think, I think there's value in, in having native experience, but I don't think you need it to be productive today, but to be productive over a long term, especially within the mobile ecosystem, you want to, to understand native. At least uh, those are my... Uh, talking, still talking about platforms, um, there is roughly three questions related to platforms. So one is, uh, any thoughts on hybrid apps uh, from Gabriel? Uh, Senza is asking, uh, what's your take on using Microsoft Xamarin? Uh, and Digiticket SA says, I am not a developer myself, but my devs in the company have developed an app for the company to run the service in Ionic. What is your take on Ionic? So basically, Ionic, hybrid apps, and Xamarin. 
uh, I'd like to hear Mukonji's thoughts first um, on how he feels. He's a native developer, so they always have strong thoughts on people that do any of those. No, actually quite the opposite with me. Um, ah! So, like all the specific uh, platforms mentioned, Ionic and Microsoft Xamarin, I've, I've never used any of them, so um, yeah, I'll leave that. I'll, yeah, so I'll leave that for Sisha to comment. But on um, like on native platform building, the way I look at it is that there is native in a sense of code base, and there is native there is native in a sense of the design and how things look within the app. And what I've seen is, so if you looked at an app like uh, um, Master D, which is which is a South African app, you can see that it looks exactly the same on iOS and Android. Uh, for like for a lot of businesses, that's hundred percent okay because it's uh, like like it, like it sort of goes with um, uh, what they're trying to deliver to their customers. But for some products, it doesn't work well. So if you take WhatsApp as, a, like, as an example, if I'm an iOS user and I'm using WhatsApp, it doesn't look anything like it looks on Android. And the reason for that is that you don't want to reteach the user uh, how to use your app. So if I'm using iOS, I know how things work on iOS because of uh, how, most app, like how most apps blend in with the design of iOS. So uh, if I'm using an app, I expect the same flow. And unfortunately, uh, there are those small differences with iOS and Android such that you can't achieve it with an, like with an hybrid app. You would need to build specific features uh, for, uh, for the native platform so that it can conform to the standards of the design, uh, how things flow within the app. So that's my only reservations with, uh, with hybrid apps. Cool. So All right. Um... Yeah, I have extensive experience in all of those. Well, not extensive. Zamarin, we tried it when we were building an app for Sansa. It didn't end, it didn't end well. We weren't happy um, with it. Um, and that was what the client was requesting. Uh, but when it comes to, for instance, hybrid apps and Ionic. So Ionic, oh, by the way, um, I'm also a curriculum coordinator at CoTribe Academy. And what we do there is teach Ionic. So we teach mobile dev using Ionic, um, particular focus in Angular, the Angular part of Ionic, and yeah, and building mobile apps. So I would say if you're going Ionic, then don't even look at the stores, right? Go the progressive web route and you'll have your app be installable. If you genuinely care about being on the store and it's something that's really, really, really important for you, then you would, probably choose a much more native experience because um, with your hybrid apps and so forth, you have to deal with that abstraction layer. And you, when you're dealing with things that have to do with the store, with native features, with the quickness of releases, you want to deal directly with the service and not have to deal with um, this wrapper layer. So you'll, have, you'll find yourself in the long term, if you are truly a mobile setup, um, having things like technical debt as part of your your setup, so you don't want that. Um, but progressive web app, if you are going the Ionic route, hybrid apps are coming along, but they are getting canceled from everywhere. Like um, for instance, if you were a Cordova developer, and last year, I think uh, Apple said no more Cordova on the Apple App Store. So you had to change, for instance, with Ionic, you had to change the capacity. So there's sort of like a lot of backlash um, from the community of uh, native developers that you find within those spaces, because I think they set up the tone of what they want and what they want to see as part of the experiences, not just the, the companies that run these things. So in that, in that instance, hybrid, maybe not so much, um, but you can do it if uh, you don't have much of a budget and that's the only skill that you have. But if you can afford to learn a new skill, then Go with something more supported. Um, so your React Native, your Flutter, which has a big parent company like your whatever. And you can also try out Zamarin. Like um, I hear it has gotten considerably better. I'm just not going to try something that I'm not going to build a software for a company that failed to build mobile OSs. I don't know if that makes sense. 
yeah, I'm very controversial. So I'd rather take it from Google or iOS um, or Apple rather than Microsoft um, and other places. My passion, man. <laughs> All right, you test. So the, the, for those of you guys are listening, there are some comments um, on, on the comment section. Uh, we clarity just dropped a couple of if statements there. So have a look at them uh, regarding this uh, topic we're talking about. And uh, there are, there's a request for your guys' details. Um, so you, you can decide which details you want to best share uh, or else you can share them with me and I can share with the guys. So the next, the next question uh, is regarding development, should a freelance focused costing model Should basically should a freelance developer ask what is the budget of the client when it comes to development and deploying stage? Um, the simple answer is, it depends who you are, right? It's a show me yours and I'll show you mine. So if you're asking a person to show you their budget, you're basically asking them to show you their wallet. Not everyone is gonna do that, right? So you have to know who you are in this transaction to be able to even ask that. So you'll find that if a person comes to you, then yeah, you can ask them for a budget. They came to you. You came to me without yeah. a budget. Or you're trying to figure it out. If you're trying to figure out a budget, I'll tell you that it costs um, at least 650,000 all the way to. So then you'll have to play in my range. And that's not a final amount either. Um, we can still get deeper into what you need. But I can give you a rough anchor of where I want to start. but. I think if you if, if, if you truly 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 care, then you will you will do the exercise yourself. Yeah. Sorry. your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I agree with Cicero on that. So I'll give you the range of what the cost is on the market, and we can start speaking your budgets if you wish to negotiate down the range. But yeah, outside that, no, I, I wouldn't ask. So. Uh, apps for for citizen intelligence, right? The use of people's information about what they see happening to create an alternative view. Okay, uh, that's a very weird question. I don't quite understand it. Uh, but I'll share some of the questions with you guys so you can just unpack them. Um, someone is asking, what's the best way of monetizing your app? Mukundi will tell you it's ads. <laughs> actually, no. Actually, ads are not, you, like you can make ads if it's, it's not making it. Really? Someone's money. So like, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think you can make a lot of money on ads if you have an app with a lot of people. But I can just use it as an example, um, some of the ads that we run on Chitonga. So we've, we've run up like, to this day, over 3 million ads, which have been shown either on our website or the mobile applications. And for those 3 million ads, they've been close to 20,000 clicks. And for all of that, what we got from Google is 34,000 uh, rents up to date. So um, if you want to go the ad road, you either have to have a really popular app or be really aggressive in how many ads you show uh, a user at any given time and um, all that. But I would say uh, selling a service within an app is usually what uh, makes a lot of people uh, money. So if you look at the most popular apps on the store, uh, most of them are free. Uh, if you remove the social media sites which run their own ads, uh, like most of the apps are free. So like things like Tinder and all that, uh, you can use some of these basic services for free, but they introduce premium features, which the app is designed in such a way that you always, like you almost always want to use the premium features. So um, with that, you can introduce subscriptions. Uh, with subscriptions, uh, Apple and Google do get their cut. Uh, so um, uh, they take about 30% of what you make um, every month around. So yeah, I would say subscriptions um, would be your best uh, option for. But, but do, do people in South Africa, do, what's the general feel? Do, do people actually pay 
for apps or pay for in-app services? Uh, is it something worth considering or is it more of an international market? And does it matter? Is it, is it different? Is it the same on iOS? Is it the same on Android or the, the personality is different? Um, can you go for that? I'll, I'll go after. Okay, cool. Um, so for me, the best way, I, I'm not sure if you're asking how your app should make money, I think a service, that's the best way for you to do it. So it's more than just an app. Your app is just a front to the world. It's actually the engine that people would be paying for. So you create a service that people are willing to pay for, and that's an engine, and you make it, you make sure that it's easily available everywhere, right? So um, from your direct app, if you're trying to make money directly from an app, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of efforts. Like, I don't think in, in a lot of ways it's, it's worth it to try and do it just straight. I think sell a service or both directly to selling a product, especially in our local um, space. Like, apps don't catch on like wildfire really easily. Our click-through rate for ads is very low. So you, you want to make sure that when you're building something, you're either in it for the long haul or you are making money so that you can cover these costs. So I would say those are like the considerations to make, um, but it's, it's not really easy to make money through subscriptions or anything like that. Like even Showmax is having a hard time, I know. All right, so, uh, so plugging into the, the FinTech space, right? Someone is saying, why is it so hard to find FinTech developers in SA? Uh, and linking that up with the following question, uh, why is it so hard to find uh, fintech developers in in SA? Um, and then the other one is basically why are so uh, South African app developers taking long to learn things like smart contracts, uh, basically blockchain stuff? Um, yeah, I think on the question about fintech uh, devs, I, I can't think devs would try and categorize themselves in that fashion. Right? So I think it makes sense for an entrepreneur to say I'm focusing on fintech. But as a dev, um, whether or not the, the stuff which I'm building is for fintech or it's something that's going into health, there isn't that much adjusting required. So if you employed me at some fintech startup, I would adjust like, first day. Like there wouldn't be that like a lot I would need to learn in this space. So I think that categorization would make sense for uh, like entrepreneurs, which I do know a couple of guys that are doing um, fintech stuff. Um, like someone like Partu, uh, he's worked on Scholar for, for quite a bit last year. I'm not sure if he's still working on it now. And a few other guys I know. So, um, I mean, obviously there is, uh, some processes which are associated with uh, like like a certain industry which someone would need to adjust to but i think in terms of the tech um there isn't that much of a difference to contribute to that thought it's because these things are expensive guys like um if you've ever run a blockchain node on on AWS, you'd understand how much these things cost. I tried to run a loyalty system for, uh, of a blockchain just to get just to get a node it costs over five thousand dollars on IBM, right? So that's not easy even for an entrepreneur to try and get to. Now imagine you need to take um, the learnings. You need to be able to be good at that thing. It, it takes a lot, and this is these are things that are aren't as prevalent in our communities as possible as, as, as we think they are. I mean, try and getting, try getting a block phone, like a blockchain phone. Like we still ha we're still having the conversation of whether Android versus iPhone when Flutter is looking at block phones and smartphones um, that have work on the blockchain. So I think we're still learning and we are taking a stride to get to that place. Um, FinTech is an expensive game to, to come into just from any level. Like even as something as simple as, it might not be categorized as FinTech, something as simple as e-commerce takes a lot to get into. So um, you need a lot to, you need FSPs if you, if you care about credit, if you care about building anything insurance related, you need um, an insurance license. Like there's, there's a lot to it. And the investment that needs to go into that is a lot more than 
any entrepreneur in South Africa is able to do, at least the ones that I know. All right. Uh, once again, check the comments, uh, guys, on, on the comment side. Uh, you can throw in your questions in the comments there. So Gabs is asking, as a freelance, uh, do you call multiple clients daily or do your clients find you? Um, I don't freelance anymore, so I don't know. See, like, how you do it? Ah, um, so, like, so now you, you're a free, maybe just to, to, to rephrase the question, uh, if Gabs, if I'm wrong, please correct me. So you're a freelancer, right? Um, do you sit back and wait for the clients to find you or do you go out, out there preaching that, hey, I'm an app developer, I can actually develop apps or, or do you just sit back and, and wait for them to find you? So to, to, to help me answer that question, eh, uh, Get a job, number one, right, kind of helps so you can sit back and not chase after people. Um, two, I don't, I, personally, I don't go chasing after anyone. Um, I focus on my quality of work and people normally come to me, right? Uh, social media is a tool that is used not just for sharing your thoughts, but it's great for meeting people and for advertising as well. So there's multiple dynamics. So you'll find that a lot of the connections that I made in the recent three to four months come from Twitter um, and the investment that I made in just deciding I'm going to be part of that space uh, and being serious about it. So if you search for me anyway, you're probably going to come across app development, right? So if you look for my Instagram, if you look, you're going to come across app development and um, I keep a consistent language. So it's a lot easier for people to find me in that space and approach me. And when you do approach, it's pretty chill, you know? Um, I, don't, I don't try and chase after, no, that's, I think you need something from me. Um, I want something from you. And we meet from that mutual ground where I think it's Kamina Kawen. Plus also it's not easy to go after people and tell them that, yeah, I'm an app developer and I'm gonna charge you a million. It's a lot easier when they come to you to tell them I'm gonna charge you a million. Um, and so based off of that, but besides, besides social media, is there a particular place they can find you? Uh, I mean, is there a particular place where app developers, are, I mean, designers and creatives have behinds? Uh, is there a particular place where like, okay, now I'm going shopping for app developers or freelancers that I can find them? Uh, or is it just a matter of you're on your own? Uh, let's just push, let me just push the best way I can go in terms of social media. So I can, so there's, there's, Type, type on your browser if you care. Type on your browser Fluttergram. Um, in there, you'll find a Flutter app that is a clone of the Instagram app. And the first link that you normally are going to come across is a website that holds a lot of open source and template apps that you would be able to do. So they have e-commerce, and they are able to tie into things like WooCommerce, um, WordPress, and so on. So maybe you don't need uh, things that are really, really intense, but you can you can go and look at those tools to see how you can get started as best as possible but there isn't there isn't a place that is easily available for software because software with mobile apps especially it's about integration less about just the ui and whatnot so the ui is great but i think there's a lot of integration points that you find within apps that people need and that's where you would need to speak to a developer or someone who has expertise in there so you can start off there looking for what you want to do in e-commerce. Take hey, you can download uh, something quick and say it's a proof of concept, get a developer, say, I'll pay you for a week, please white label this for me, and then go tell the, um, who's these investors that you have an app, and start doing your work and start uh, running around. And then afterwards, once you start being serious, then you go and you pay an app developer. You must. Another platform you should check out if you're looking for—it's not necessarily. Can I ask? It's like a Sorry, search. can I just jump? Can I ask? Can I ask you guys to type the names of these platforms in the comment section, uh, so we can check them out? Okay. It's freelancer.com. Uh, so okay. And all sorts of skills, but it's not South African, so yeah. um, you'll be working with most. You will. You most likely be working with someone remotely. So how it works is um, someone with a skill will go create a profile and uh, whoever needs some work done would post what work they need done and what budget they have. And people would sort of 
bid on that. So I would say I'll be able to deliver this in, in a week for this much. And then they would compare the prices and the people's profile and they would pick whoever to work with from there. And yeah, you get your payment um, after you've delivered the work. But the prices there are normally quite low because, uh, no, I mean, the prices are very low there uh, like because of, um, yeah, yeah, I think because the, the market is quite big and there's a lot of people from Asia and other places as well um, who charge very low rates. So, yeah, you may not get paid the 100 million that Sile is, is talking about here. <laughs> so, but, but if you are an entrepreneur and you're interested in building apps, you can go there. All right. Proof of concept. You can get a proof of concept from that space if that's something that you're interested in. Um, the reason I keep on stressing is because you want to, more than just the person who's going to build something for you, you want someone who's going to partner with you and walk the journey with you in understanding and caring about your product in ways that you never thought you're going to care about. So showing you new things, um, telling you what analytics to track within your space of business, that means a lot more than just coding, right? So um, the reason it costs as much as it does is because of the wealth of experience that comes with it to say, yeah, but this is not all you need. And therefore, this is how much you should have for an app. Not for me. If you want to buy me, it's a million still, but you, you, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that you get the most of what you want within a short space of time and get value also out of it. So that's why I keep on mentioning million, 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 so that people don't underestimate how much it actually costs bringing products to market. Um, you either are a software developer and trying yourself, um, or, or you brace yourself for a journey that is going to see you learn more than you earn. And if you're, if you're about that, then I, good luck. But if you're about making money, then let's go. All right, uh, closing remarks from the both of you, gents. Um, one, what are your two favorite apps that you can't live without? And then what advice do you have for someone who wants to get into the app development space? Sitle, you can start. Cool. My two favorite apps. It depends on the nicest ones that I really Two favorite apps, two favorite apps that you, you like. You can't go a day without or you use quite a lot. Spotify, number one. I really, really need my music. So it's Spotify and then um, most probably YouTube. I can't live without YouTube. Every day without fail. Like I constantly have right. And then getting into the app development space, there's no better time than now. Uh, after, this, after this corona, people won't, don't want to touch each other. This is going to be with us for a long uh, period of time. I started Flutter at the Geek Culture uh, Hackathon last year, and that was the first time I touched anything Flutter. Um, and from there, I think it's been, what, four to five months. But I think right now, I'm one of the biggest advocates for Flutter that you'll find on SA Twitter compared to anything else. I know a lot of other languages. I just choose to focus on one thing and be really good at it um, and make noise about that one thing. So for me, it was Flutter. And for people who are looking to get in, do it as soon as possible. Um, Twitter's really nice, guys. Like, ask people like Josiah, follow the people who are on this, everyone on this um, uh, video group calling conference, uh, follow them. They'll probably answer questions when you ask them. So they're pretty cool people. Josiah once invited me to his work and I just, like the community is absolutely amazing. I think, I think you can't, it's unnatural. What are you waiting for? Let's do it. All right, um, Kunli, what are your two apps that you use, your favorite apps? And for someone who wants to get into the space, um, what advice do you have for them? Uh, um, to the rest of the guys, if you want to connect uh, on social media, please drop your Twitter handles and Instagram handles and we'll just follow for, so you can just connect with each other, all of us. Yeah, so from my side, um, my favorite app, uh, Twitter, I use that almost as an every day. And um, Mr. D, which I, I haven't used in a month because of the lockdown, but I do use it, I think, twice a week. Um, but I would say to someone trying to get into the mobile space, it's exactly what Sikha said, is that you need to get in now. 
Um, there's a lot of opportunities there um, to build, to grow, uh, like to, to really build the ecosystem in South Africa. So yeah, I would say uh, join now. All right, uh, thank you guys for your time. Uh, if you wanna share your details, please drop them on the comment section. Um, you'll decide which details you wanna share for people to connect with you. Um, and then to the rest of the guys, please do share your your Twitter, Instagram handles if you want us to connect with you guys. So tomorrow we're gonna be talking about the legal side of technology, of tech. Uh, we've got a lady that's gonna be running us through that. Uh, we'll be putting up the link later on. So if you guys are keen on joining onto that one, uh, same process, please just sign up and we'll catch up tomorrow. Otherwise, thank you, Jens. Thank you everyone for connecting. Uh, have a good day. Thank you. Can we also have the recording as well? In like a sure. week or something. Yeah. Sure, sure. sure. Cheers. Cheers.